Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. In a previous program, I referenced the Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg and mentioned her also in connection, of all things, with Hallmark Channel, meaning the family of Hallmark Channels. Hallmark Channel, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, Hallmark Drama, Crown Media, and so forth. And the reason for mentioning Hallmark was the advertisements that they have been running promoting this movie, this biopic, lionizing Ruth Bader Ginsburg as an exemplary role model for girls, for young women to pattern themselves after, to follow. This woman who, if you scratch the surface, you find that lo and behold, she has been an enemy, a feminazi, a stormtrooper against all of the traditional Christian and Judeo-Christian values and foundation of the United States of America, even though she is Jewish. (laughs) Yes, this is not unusual among Jews. Even as you find Christians, (laughs) Christians in air quotes, who are enemies of Christianity. It's hardly unheard of. But Hallmark Channel ran so many ads, or ran an ad, a a version of an ad, so a couple ads, to such a great degree, and continues to, promoting Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And with these ads stating that she is inspirational, and that This story, this biopic of hers, this will inspire future generations. (laughs) Yes. But the substance, the content of her life, her career life, as a law professor, academician, judge, Supreme Court justice, has been to tear down the fabric of society in the United States of America. What a legacy. How inspirational. But Time Magazine, New York Times, Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, whomever, you know, all the heavyweights there in publishing that had reviews concerning this movie. Oh, just glowing reviews of this movie, which in turn were glowing testaments to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. 
this towering figure, this pillar of modern America. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who rushed, if you will, to conduct a sodomite so-called marriage immediately after the Supreme Court on which she sits ruled that marriage applied to sodomites and could not be denied to them. You will perhaps remember the commander-in-chief, the social engineer-in-chief, Barack Hussein's Obama. His statement to the couple sodomites, male sodomites, in the particular case, and saying, we're proud of you guys. We're proud of you guys. But Barack Obama, he telephoned them from Air Force One. Yes, to tell them that he his administration, and the nation were proud of them. Of course, they weren't responsible for the lawsuit. This was the work of these great anti-American political activist organizations. But nonetheless, they were figureheads, if you will. But Ruth Bader Ginsburg was not alone. There were many others of her ilk who rushed to perform, to conduct these sodomite, sham, fraud marriage unions, such as then-California Attorney General Kamala Harris, now junior senator from California and presidential candidate. But to reiterate the words of a journalist from long ago, quote, Our republic and its press will rise or fall together. An able, disinterested, public-spirited press with trained intelligence to know the right and courage to do it can preserve that public virtue without which popular government is a sham and a mockery. A cynical, mercenary, demagogic press will produce in time a people as base as itself. The power to mold the future of the republic, or you could could say inspire, the future of the republic will be in the hands of the journalists of future generations, end quote. So just to go over that one more time, and he didn't word it as well, as accurately as he might have. Language changes, even when it's not being actively corrupted and perverted, twisted, degraded, degenerated, as has been the case with American English during the 
past several decades, but, quote, our republic and its press will rise or fall together. An able, disinterested, meaning impartial, public-spirited press, meaning desiring the best for the people, the goodwill for the people, the welfare for the people, with trained intelligence to know the right, And courage to do it. Trained intelligence to know the right. So he stands on this that there is unshakable right. Good and evil. Just and unjust. Truth. To know the right and courage to do it, this press can preserve that public virtue without which popular government is a sham and a mockery. There is no public virtue without private virtue. There is no virtue in government without virtue among the governed. A cynical, mercenary, demagogic, demagogic meaning pandering, intellectually dishonest and immoral. A cynical, mercenary, demagogic press will produce in time a people as base as itself. The power to mold... Or again, you could say inspire. If you wanted to be very loose and use poetic license with the term inspire. The future of the republic, this power will be in the hands of the journalists of future generations. End quote. Now when he says cynical, he wasn't referring to a matter of, because some might say, well, You're cynical. It's not a matter of being suspicious of wrongdoing by various public servants, so-called, and so forth. Instead, this cynicism is towards God, his Christ, the Word of God, Christianity, and the traditional morals and mores of this nation, which is a very different thing. Well, it's come to pass to a very great degree. This nation has fallen. And the so-called popular government has been a party to so much evil and continues to be. And the press has played an extremely large role, including, of 
course, censoring any truth being communicated regarding the reality of induced abortion for lo these many decades. And concerning the truth regarding the homosexual activists, the sodomite activists, and their actions, and their violence, and their agenda. And the list goes on. But that particular quotation emblazons a plaque that is proudly displayed at the press club in Washington, D.C., home away from home for so very many general journalists. Journalists, they used to be confined, of course, to the, you know, the major publications of this nation, the daily newspapers, and so forth. But now, so much so-called journalism takes place online or is communicated online. And, of course, those daily papers that still exist, they typically also publish online. But so, when I say homo away from home, for this general group of journalists, it's pertaining to, again, typically journalists representing the major daily newspapers and such, and that are included within the Washington Press Corps, typically. Now, I expect that you, of course, have seen or heard much concerning Roger Stone and his indictment in this Russia probe, which is headed up by the former FBI director, Mueller. Robert Mueller, who is special counsel. This Roger Stone, I find to be reprehensible in the extreme. (laughs) Personally, can't stand what I see of him. Just absolutely appalling. But the information that has come out so far regarding the indictment of Stone and what have you, it still continues to support, (laughs) to confirm my suspicions concerning the president and the president's men and women and so forth. Stone... As bad as he is, corrupt, and who, in my view, is buddies with and serves a corrupt president, of which we have had very many corrupt presidents. Yes, the Democrats in Congress and the Democrats who have announced for president would have you believe otherwise. But no, and the journalists, so many of them would have you believe otherwise. So many of our presidents have been corrupt or worse than corrupt, such as evil. But President Trump 
at this point in time is not accused of a crime. And as terrible, reprehensible, horrible as this stone is, he is currently not implicated in any purported conspiracy with the Russian government. No collusion with the Russian government. Nor any others. <laughs> Here in the White House staff. No, the indictment does not allege that. Not by Roger Stone, not by anybody else. Who knows what a day will bring, but at this point in time, that's where we stand. Now, Democrats have called for and are calling for, when I say Democrats, it's certain Democrats, calling for revocation of Jared Kushner's extremely high-level security clearance. Jared Kushner, son-in-law to the president, and his go-to advisor, which says something about the wisdom of the president. He is his preferred (laughs) advisor. This chip-off-the-block-only In this case, it's Chipoff, the father-in-law, husband of Ivanka. Well, a couple of the Democrats who have called for him to be stripped of the security clearance are congressmen, Democrats, Ted Lieu and Don Beyer from California and Virginia, respectively. But, and this is not the first time they've called for it. And I do not disagree (laughs) with them. No. Two career, that is lifers, (laughs) White House security specialists rejected Jared Kushner's top secret security clearance application. They did so following an FBI background check in which certain concerns about potential foreign influence were raised. Foreign influence. Mm -hmm. But their supervisor, he vetoed them. He approved the clearance anyway. And Team Trump, the Trump administration, had any number of such (laughs) interesting overrulings, at least 30, which apparently is an all-time high. (laughs) But that's not to say that some career White House security specialists might not be partisan. It's not to say that they may not be flawed in their reasoning. It's not to say that they should necessarily be the ultimate arbiters, but it is 
nonetheless indicative that there was a problem here and has been for any number of others. Now, my view with regard to Trump and Russia and what have you is simply this, is that the president or others close to him who are corrupt would choose to seek special treatment, special favors, especially favorable treatment from Russia and from other nations in order to make hay while the sun shines, in order to make mula bula. I fully expect that that will be found to be the case with various different ones. Ones who have been shown to have been something less than stellar in their business dealings here in the United States of America. But that's a very different thing from collusion with the Russian regime of Vladimir Putin to rig the election. A very, very, very different thing. And on that note, Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi, who is back at the helm of the House of Representatives. She has quashed for the moment, for this time being, and some will say quashed is not the right term, but I'm using it, quashed this impeachment talk and this impeachment movement, meaning impeachment of the president. Why should she do that? Why should Nancy Pelosi do that? How is that in her interest? Well, this is now February of 2019. We are well, well within the time frame of the presidential race of 2020 well within that realm. If you're not in it now, if you're not actively working towards being nominated now, you'll be left in the dust, almost certainly. Is it possible for a late, late, late run by someone? Yes, it's possible. If all these others self-destruct and you know, with their infighting with one another and depending on what all happens, it is possible for a Trump-like candidate, somebody who, uh, most likely that would be, somebody who's outside the fray of politics and who is loaded with loot and who is an outsider, claims to be an outsider and not involved in the political process and comes charging in on a white charger, you know, maybe somebody like that could make a a late run for the presidency, gain the nomination, and go on to win the presidency. Or, or, come in 
as a third-party candidate. And in this day and age, with the influence, the persuasion, the power of the Internet, make an end around the major parties and even around major media and manage to win out over a you know divided field maybe possibly there are the simple little matters of getting on the ballots in all of the states and things like that but uh For all intents and purposes, you're in now or you're going to be announcing this month or you can kiss it goodbye. The other exception would be this, is that you have this flood of a field of candidates for the Democrat nomination. And none of them has a clear majority going into the convention. You have a divided convention, and there is not a selection on the first ballot. <laughs> All right? It goes to a second ballot, a third ballot, maybe a 20th ballot, whatever. And somebody else is selected. That's possible. But right now, we're right in the midst of this presidential campaigning. And in years gone by, it was even more important to be in it early. I'm talking about in the past few decades. Extremely important to be in it early. Things have changed now with regard to what constitutes media and what have you. But Nancy Pelosi, she is tamping down. She is controlling the speech, the talk, the activism regarding attempting to impeach the president, even though the Democrats now control the House of Representatives. Before I say more, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas. And this is after all is said and done. After all is said and done, you could say is my baby. But unlike typical talk programs, news talk programs, whatever is right or good or true in this program is thanks to God Almighty and his holy son, Jesus Christ. And whatever's wrong and lacking and erring, that's on me. But back to this. So Nancy Pelosi, interestingly enough, even though she has the power, she has the votes in Congress, in the lower house, the House of Representatives, you could liken it to the House of Commons over in England, but she has the power that if she wanted to push for impeachment, she could. But why would she not do that? Why would she, in fact, currently be doing the exact opposite? Why is that? Well, for one thing, thus far, 
there is no evidence concerning the chief charge against the president. No evidence. Special counsel Robert Mueller has not uncovered any such evidence, or at least he hasn't let anybody know about it and has very carefully concealed it, if he has. So, uh, meaning to unveil it at a time yet to come. That would be one reason. So that would seemingly undermine the whole impeachment push. But impeachment, of course, contrary to what Rudy Giuliani would have us believe, impeachment is not only for high crimes, but for misdemeanors. Misdemeanors comes into the corruption area, right? But do you remember Rudy Giuliani? I'm, I'm paraphrasing now, not quoting, but concerning when, when he took over there, he's you know, a personal lawyer for Trump, and he was brought in as a problem solver, a fixer do damage control, help the president. And he said concerning uh, the money being provided to certain women via this lawyer or that lawyer, that nobody got killed. This wasn't any big deal, (laughs) right? This wasn't any major crime. Well... Okay, and again, I'm paraphrasing. But I do remember him saying explicitly nobody got killed and that it wasn't any big deal, it wasn't any major crime. But what about misdemeanors? High crimes and misdemeanors. Now, misdemeanors, if you're a congressman, a lowly representative in the House, or maybe a high and mighty senator, and you commit various misdemeanors, well... depending on what party is in power and so forth, typically these things, they just get waved off like they do for diplomats, diplomatic immunity. (laughs) It's just misdemeanors, nothing serious. But in the wording concerning impeachment, it includes not just high crimes but misdemeanors. But again, why would she be doing the opposite of urging impeachment. I think the most clear-cut reason, why I think it's actually, again, a combination of reasons, but I think the most determinant factor is this, that we are rapidly approaching the presidential campaign. very near, in which they will be taking up a huge amount of press attention, a huge amount of media time will be devoted to the presidential campaigns. And the Democrats, depending on which ones, A great many of them are feeling very, very 
optimistic about their chances, about the likelihood, probability of their winning the White House. Now, some would think, some would view this as being to their advantage to go ahead and try to impeach the president. Nancy Pelosi does not seem to be of that mind set. That could be seen (laughs) to change here. That could be revealed to be otherwise here in the next month or two or three or four. But she does not seem to be of that mindset that impeachment proceedings would be helpful for the Democrat candidates. I think it would, in fact, be the opposite. I think it would be harmful to Democrat chances. But regardless, is there a need to expend that ammunition at this point in time? When so many in the Democrat camp happen to view this coming presidential election as theirs to lose, they happen to view Donald Trump, the incumbent president, as a fatally wounded candidate. They happen to view the majority of the public to be on their side and at least to be anything but on the president's side. So why would you waste that ammunition? Why would you use up that option to try to impeach the president Before you need to. Why wouldn't you just try to focus all of your resources and your efforts on winning the White House? And taking as much of the U.S. Senate and the House of Representatives, as you can as well. Why wouldn't you do that instead? And I think that's exactly her mindset. But I could be mistaken about that. The thing is, impeachment still remains an option if they fail. If they fail to overthrow the president politically in the general election, they can still resort to impeachment. Right? And their hand may have been strengthened in that time in terms of numbers in the U.S. Senate, numbers in the U.S. House, and whatever adverse information may have come out. But anyway, that's my perspective on it. So I think those are the reasons that she is doing the opposite of pushing for impeachment. 
that she looks forward to things being more favorable in the future in terms of impeachment proceedings if they decide to go that way, but also that this 2020 presidential election should be pursued first and foremost, along with all of the other elections for the House and for the Senate and for governorships or gubernatorial candidates. But who are some of these wonderful candidates that we are seeing floated here for us? Well, there's Representative Tulsi Gabbard, Democrat Hawaii, and she's she would be just such a trailblazer in so many respects. Okay, She was a female member of military, veteran of war in Iraq, the first American Samoan, the first Hindu member of Congress, as well as first American Samoan in Congress. I mean, so many firsts here, right? And... I think she was also the first or next to the first to announce her candidacy. But something that she said caught my eye, and it is this, quote, There is one main issue that is central to the rest, and that is the issue of war and peace, end quote. So what does that mean? Well, Tulsi She was at DNC. She was vice chairwoman at Democratic National Committee and had a run-in with the chairwoman, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Hillary's uh, dear girlfriend there, uh, who was so helpful to Hillary. But Gabbard later resigned her post, and she became one of Bernie Sanders' most recognizable supporters. Vermont senator, socialist Bernie Sanders, one of his highest profile backers. Now, when she speaks of war and peace, she is anti interventionist. Her foreign policy, you could say bias, if you prefer, but it is anti-interventionist, opposed to intervention. In 2017, she met with Bashar al-Assad, dictator, vicious, ruthless dictator of Syria. It was a you know, it was a peace-seeking tete-a-tete. <laughs> That's what it was. But anyway, who are some of the others that we are blessed with as potential presidents here who are seeking the Democrat nomination? Of course, we have Joe Biden, former U.S. senator, Delaware, former vice president, 
tough guy, and he is. He's very much a political tough guy, rough and tough guy, dare I say, rude and crude guy, very much. And, of course, the aforementioned Bernie Sanders. I mentioned Kamala Harris. Yes, or if you prefer Kamala, like Camelot. Junior Senator from California. Former Attorney General, California. Among her various positions and titles there. Woman of color. Well, there's the attorney, Michael Avenatti. You remember him? Hmm? (laughs) Representing Stormy Daniels, among others. He's out of greater Los Angeles area. There's Michael Bloomberg. That's right, Michael Bloomberg, former New York City mayor, billionaire extraordinaire, founder of Bloomberg Media, Bloomberg empire, and so forth. And he may run as a Democrat, which is what he should have been running at as all the time. You know. But uh, he's been a de facto Democrat for many decades. Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown, whose wife insists that she is the woman that President Trump hates. She is the woman, the only, the one and only woman that President Trump hates. So, hey, I know that's not intended as, uh, as a compliment to the president, but I think you could take it as one if that's the only woman that he hates. But Sherrod Brown, he's the only Democrat office holder in Ohio who is elected statewide, the only one in the political swing state, presidential swing state, very important state, electoral state of Ohio. Then there's Cory Booker, booking it. Cory Booker, who, again, is a junior senator, and he, (laughs) an up-and-comer, a great self-promoter, and he just announced, he just announced his candidacy. Very exciting. Again, New Jersey Senator Cory, booking it, Booker. And then, also from New Jersey, former... Republican Governor Chris Christie. Chris Christie, who was a leader of the Trump transition and has this high-profile book that has been released as being promoted and with all of his exciting things to say about the Team Trump, Jared Kushner in particular, but I really, I, you know, I read what he had to say regarding uh, Never Say Never. It was at a meeting in California in Riverside County, and he was speaking there and concerning his book and what have you, and 
uh, when he was asked about running, he said, well, never say never. And he, if I'm not mistaken, he referred to, of all things, Ronald Reagan having not succeeded the first time that he sought the nomination. But I thought that was a rather poor precedent to draw upon. Because while Ronald Reagan was cheated out of the nomination by Gerald Rudolph King Ford, by backroom maneuvering by the president, who had been, who had become the president, you know, under remarkable circumstances. But, of course, Ford failed to retain the presidency. And so, even as Reagan was cheated out of the nomination, and so, if... If this is a, a precedent here for for uh, Chris to to draw upon, I, I thought it was poorly selected. Yes, he has run for the nomination previously, so this is not his first go round, and he would just be emphasizing that he can win this time. But to run against a sitting president within that president's party has been fraught with difficulties in the past, has not been a recipe for success. <laughs> it just hasn't been. And uh, so, <laughs> but anyway, he would have us believe that he is a viable candidate. I don't believe he has declared yet. But we have so many exciting ones to you know, to look to for inspirational leadership, to inspire us, to breathe life into us, right? Well, not really. And then, of course, I left out uh, the new darling of the extreme left, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC. I've seen those initials being bandied about. And uh, lady with the lovely dimples. Uh, but, yes, she has this great plan to really change things here in the United States of America. Sock it to the rich, tax the rich. Being at the forefront. But... By so taxing the rich and by stripping the military, she will be able to accomplish the rest of her agenda to take care of all of those like me. <laughs> so uh, it's exciting. But New York state legislators, they just they passed a bill. which was just coincidentally on the 46th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. 
<laughs> and Dovey Bolton. Yes. And this bill is to affirm the right, not the wrong, not the evil, but the right to murder preborn babies by induced abortion under the auspices of the state's public health law. Fascinating. But we can expect much, 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 much more of that if any of those whom I have named should become president, including Chris Christie. Yes, it's exciting. But speaking of the anniversary of Roe v. Wade and that time frame, Vice President Mike Pence and his wife Karen were at the March for Life, at the annual March for Life. And Mike made statements there, and he surprised the audience by being the, if you will, front man for introducing a video of the president also making statements. And the president said this, quote, When we look into the eyes of a newborn child, we see the beauty and the human soul and the majesty of God's creation. We know that every life has meaning, end quote. Well, President Trump, regardless what he believes, what he happens to believe, what he does believe, what he doesn't believe, (laughs) he has gravitated towards the position of being opposed to induced abortion. For whatever reasons, and regardless of sincerity, he has gravitated that way. And... His administration reflects that. Any of those others that I mentioned, (laughs) any of those who would be president, they would do things very differently. There is a law that has been passed in Louisiana concerning abortion, and U.S. Supreme Court will undoubtedly, indubitably be taking this up uh, (laughs) this session. And so it will be altogether too fascinating to see what the result will be, but it's something to look forward to. Meanwhile, The ultra, ultra, ultra leftist agenda of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and those like her, you know, her sisters in arms, the Sonia Solomayars and Elena Kagans of the Supreme Court and the Hillary Rodham Clintons and the Nancy Pelosi's. And these others, (laughs) Kamala Harris's and 
AOCs and so on and so forth, the ultra, ultra, ultra leftist agenda that is theirs is up in arms at, exceedingly militant towards, again, the foundational Christian values that underpinned this nation. And they're bent on undermining them, and they have, and they have for a significant period of time, greatly. And we can look forward to a great deal more of the same. But it will be empowered by the election of any of these, of the extreme left. And this nation desperately needs restoration and reformation instead of more destruction. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.